0: Yeah, which is why I feel like writing emotionally intelligent men is so important so that women maybe when they're reading it consider that there's another option out there instead of this cold detached male protagonist there's someone there that that actually is self aware and, you know, like the main uh, lucky in the book I just wrote is very much that way like he provides a safe space and he's just very open about where he's at. (laughs)
1: Hands down, this was one of my favorite interviews. Charlie Beauvoir has had a fascinating life from phone sex work to undercover security agent, all of which is evident in their debut novel, Captivating. Charlie is non-binary writing feminist and queer romance and this conversation is deep and important. I love Charlie's honesty and candor and their thoughtful approach to writing romance. Plus their steamy scene is really freaking steamy. Quick note, I totally fucked up pronouns in this interview at one point. I was going to edit the error, but I'm owning it, and I know I still have work to do. So, I'm not perfect, and y'all are going to get to see my warts. But before we get to this awesome interview, I do need to make my affiliated plug. When you purchase from one of my affiliate links, you help support the podcast. How cool is that? I know I've talked about Social Curator before, which is a cross between a membership site and a crash course in how to use social media for impact. Now, you can also schedule posts through their new app platform, which is like hella freaking loot Lu- yeah. because, you know, there are so many different app po- like posting things, advanced posting things, reminders, whatever. And it's great to have it like in an all in one platform where I can do everything right there. Anyway, um, if you can't figure out what the hell to say on social and want some help, check out socialcurator at lgreco.rocks forward slash social. And another forward slash. So that's lgreco.rocks forward slash social forward slash. Now, on to the interview. Charlie Beauvoir grew up in a small town in the Pacific Northwest and left for grad adventu- uh, Grand Adventures, not Grand Adventures. I'm like, blah, I'm a mess today. Yeah. <laughs> left for Grand Adventures to Seattle, where they now live with their partner and young child. This city is where they worked as an undercover security agent, a phone sex operator. We'll be talking about that a veterinary technician and more charlie has traveled and loved and grieved they have a passion for writing feminist and queer romance and feel thrilled to be adding to these subgenres. and i'm thrilled that you said yes to joining me on steam scenes charlie thank you so much for being here
0: well thank you i'm so glad you invited me um i've, I've listened to your podcast and um i i like how you dig deep with people and just really ask some good questions so I'm looking forward to it
1: oh thank you thank you I try to sometimes I'm like oh my god that's such a stupid question <laughs> <laughs> especially like you know sometimes like the questions feel a little bit stale like the first one I'm about to ask you when did you realize you wanted to become a writer like I feel like everybody asks that of authors right like uh-huh. when did you decide you wanted to be that when you grew up but I think that it's I, I think that it's an important question to ask so it's like the, the question I always lead with
0: yeah kind of gets the conversation going you get a little bit of history and an understanding of the person that makes total sense
1: yeah so yeah.
0: when did you realize you wanted to be a writer well um gosh, you know it it kind of was a, a roundabout way that I kind of came to it um I I used to be an insomniac um had a lot of insomnia issues and so I would write a book in my head Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Insomniacs unite.
1: Me, too. Me, too. Me, too. Okay, go ahead. Yes. So (laughs) you're And that's what (laughs) I would do. I'd lay in bed and I'd make up stories.
0: Yes. Yes. And then, you know, like when you're going in your day-to-day life and you're just like bored out of your mind, like I would pretend like I was in a story and it would get really er elaborate. Um, But I never thought that that was something that I would be good at or something that I wanted to do. So um, I was... In graduate school, um, about two years in, and I realized that most of my life I've been managing and helping people understand their emotions. And I was like, is this actually what I want to do or just something I'm good at? Hmm. Um, and so I left, um, especially because of like the hazing process in academia. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's I went super to grad stressful. school.
1: I went to grad school. It's hell. It yes. How
0: yes <laughs> I completely agree I don't I, think it's necessary but yeah
1: I you know, I went mm-hmm. through um I went through a program that was actually PhD track but you didn't need to have a master's to go in yeah. but like they wouldn't give you even though I was in arts like they wouldn't give you an MFA because they wanted the terminal degree to be the PhD right and when I yes. say terminal I mean it in like this the, the, the mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it in the terminal dead sense um and so because <laughs> that's what grad school will do to you. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it was, and so I I got my master's and I ran because I was just like, this is awful. What were you yeah. in
0: school for? Uh, counseling psychology. I was going to be a, a therapist, essentially.
1: Okay. Um,
0: yeah. So I, um, I ended up leaving and I realized that what I really enjoyed about grad school was writing my papers um, <laughs> about social issues and things. Um, and so I wrote this book that I'd had in my head for a really long time and hated it and threw it away um and then wrote this book (laughs) that i wrote so this is your second book (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) yeah (laughs) there was so much history wrapped up in it like years of uh growing up and um i just as i was writing it i was like this is not where i'm at now um and it just doesn't fit so i had to let that one go
1: Okay. All right. Was it romance or was it something completely different?
0: I didn't know what it was gonna be. Um <laughs> there was definitely a romance element to it. Um but and it was actually kind of unethical. <laughs> so I had to let it go.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> okay, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so did you yeah. know that you wanted to write romance or did you or was this something you kind of stumbled on?
0: You know, actually, um, I was trying to figure out like what market would be the most um, that had the biggest holes. Um, And I did my research and saw that romance was a really big one. And and I was huge into reading romance when I was younger. Um, And I remember walking away feeling dissatisfied from some of the books that I read. Um, And I and I think it was struggling with, you know, not to get political, but, like, patriarchal um, reflections in the writing, because most of it was from the 80s and the 90s. Um, oh, yeah. So, mm. so yeah. We to unpack
1: all this. I'm fine. I'm I know. Totally, I'm totally good with I'm totally good with down with the patriarchy conversations on this podcast. Oh, okay, <laughs> um,
0: and so I just, I thought, you know what, actually, I can fill a hole and have some protagonists, like, emotionally aware male leads. I can have like mm-hmm. strong female leads, but also everybody is vulnerable. And then of course, you know, I want to, I want to branch out into like a uh, queer romance as well. So that's the third book in this series is going to center uh, some uh, lesbian or actually in a bisexual. So that's excellent
1: um, because I feel like, okay, so oh, God, there's so much to talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like with, uh, with queer romance, we get a lot of MM, we don't get a lot of FF or, you know, I'm actually, um, speaking to uh, next episode that comes out actually is I- I'm talking to a non-binary, um, oh. romance writer, which was super fascinating because she's the, not Shani, stop. I'm sorry. They. <laughs> So that would try I'm actually one.
0: non-binary. You're talking to one right now. Okay, cool. I'm trying
1: <laughs> yeah. so hard with pronouns, and I fuck it up all the time, and I get so That's frustrated okay. with myself. They are—it's um, what happens when you're old. They—they <laughs> they write non-binary romance, and so I was curious if you were going to write non-binary romance, or you're writing, or or you're going to be writing more like FF or
0: um you know I think I kind of want to do all of them I was thinking a trans um I've got a couple of characters that are wow. developing in my head I actually wrote a blog post about writing uh non-binary characters um because I one of my writer friends was really struggling with it oh,
1: um, why did I not so, see that when I was doing my research I clearly didn't research very well tell me uh, <laughs> can you can we dig into that a little bit
0: of course. Yeah. Um, I, I think the hardest part, and I think that it's the same with like sex scenes, is that it's really hard to sort of just go with it and put it out there. Like you want to do it right. Yes. Um, so that comes up when writing non-binary people. You don't want to offend anybody. Right. Right. Um, and and I think that I, I think that the most challenging thing is that if you have the character in your mind as a gendered individual who identifies as non-binary, it really trips you up. Like if oh you that believe- makes sense
1: yeah yeah so
0: um I think that when you truly do not know the gender of the individual using gender neutral pronouns is real is a lot easier because like if I was talking about my friend Chris you wouldn't know if they were male or female and so if you were going to ask me a question about them then you would use gender neutral pronouns um,
1: you know that's super true. I, you know, I mean, I think, I don't know, I always think about it, like, with my kid, like, like, she's got such a leg up on, on me, like, because she's been brought up in this and sort of like, you know, I was brought up 80s and early 90s. Yep, and talk about problematic, Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> we can talk about all those problematic TV shows and books and movies that were, out. Yeah. Um. you know, and so, and so it is this sort of, you know, we were always taught that there's like, you're male female like there's a, you know th- there's determination there with with your sexuality and with sex and so and so it's like i have to kind of like reprocess with with things because it's like
0: no you were taught that but that's actually wrong so you know it's a a part of your identity for sure like you know i identify as the female like i understand what the rules are i know how to operate i know you know all these things like my child is going through the same thing like strongly identifying as his male self um and i'm kind of like there are people out there (laughs) who are in between and it just doesn't make sense in his young mind you know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. how has
1: that been? How, how old, if, if you don't mind me asking, is your son?
0: He's five. Oh, I remember yeah.
1: that age. That's the best age ever.
0: The best. <laughs> oh, man. Super snuggly and bright and, <sighs> and curious. God,
1: yeah. my, my kid is heading off to college in a couple months, though. Oh my yeah. <laughs> so, like, take these moments and just hang on to them tight because they go so
0: fast. I actually also have an 18 year old stepson. um, Oh, so you know.
1: Yep. (laughs) Oh, you know then. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. It was
0: weird going through toddler and teen at the same time. You know, (laughs) good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. I know. During the pandemic. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. That's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so jumping back into the fuck the patriarchy conversation. Yeah. Um, you 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 know, your bio is, you know, passion for writing feminist romance and mm-hmm. I would love to sort of like drill down a little bit. What does that mean to you? What is what is that? What does feminist romance look like?
0: Well, I think in a way it's sort of a redundant thing. Like women yes. writing books and selling them is feminist all in, in and of itself. Right? Um, You know? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, having a career and supporting yourself and and things like that. Um, but I think when it comes to writing feminist romance, it's like what I was saying before, like one of the questions you have asked is what's the first romance novel I read. Yeah. And, um, that was captivated or captive bride by Joanna, Lindsay. Okay. Um, (laughs) And it's horrible. (laughs) It's horrible. Me. I mean, I loved it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was really torn because I was developing this feminist identity and and I didn't understand like, why am I getting aroused by this horrible thing that is happening? You know?
1: <laughs> now, how old were you when you read this? Do you remember? <sighs>
0: um, 12 or 13, I think. Okay. I young. You were young, but it wasn't like yeah. you were
1: eight. Right. Because yeah. I mean, some people, some some authors, I get on here and they're like, "Well, I think I was like eight. I was definitely too young to be reading it."
0: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Wow!" But <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have my sort of like literary awakening until I was like eleven, and then I read um, *A Wrinkle in Time*. Mm. And I understood the fourth dimension, and my whole brain exploded. And I was like, "Oh my god, reading is amazing!" <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah
1: (laughs) and then you started grabbing like every book that you could and that's how you ended up with captive bride
0: (laughs) (laughs) voracious reader It was actually a a neighbor friend had like a huge collection of romance novels um and so i would go over to her house and i would just pick whatever i wanted so oh that's
1: kind of excellent now what made you pick up captive bride do you remember
0: You know, I was fascinated with kidnapping and and all of that. And I think a lot of it comes down to like purity culture and that Mm. if you're if you're not willingly wanting it, then it's okay. So a lot of rape uh, type themes and things like that happened um, that I was sort of drawn to because I knew I was a sexual person and I couldn't recognize what was going on. (laughs) You know.
1: Right. Right. I couldn't
0: figure it out. I mean, so,
1: okay. That's really kind of cool. I mean, I, I love having these, these sort these conversations around, um, you know, because I think any sort of, I mean, I don't, you know, this, I'm going to open this out up uh, beyond women, but I think sort of like any kind of non white cis hat male sex or sexuality or sensuality Mm-hmm like, I think putting that on the page is so subversive. The act Mm -hmm. of just putting that on the page and talking about it is so subversive because we've kind of, our culture praises that sort of alpha male, right? Mm -hmm. And... And so, and so to put something else, I think on the page and say, this, this, this desire is beautiful and this desire is okay. And this desire is all of these wonderful things. Like I, I always feel like just the act of doing that is such a subversion. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, very much. Um, Yeah. You know, when I think about it, like when I was working as a phone sex operator, um, a lot of the clients just wanted to talk. And I I think about the patriarchy and and the expectation that men are supposed to be strong and and take care of themselves. And they're actually incredibly lonely, you know, and so it doesn't serve anyone. But the one thing that I really learned when I was doing that was to say yes to the moment. So sometimes um, uh, someone I get a cold call and I wouldn't know what it was going to be about. And this person would say that they were into this thing. And I think they were kidding because it was so out there. Um, but I didn't want I didn't want them to feel bad about what yeah. they were interested in. so I would say yes to the moment right? right and we would just go with it and sometimes those were my best calls <laughs> like you know so
1: how did you end up doing phone sex? this is like
0: a ranging, wide-ranging, wide-ranging <laughs> conversation. How did you end up doing that? Um, I was in the kink community for a while um and i had a friend uh who had her own business she'd been in the industry working for men and she branched out and created her own business um and so she had me write a character and i sent it to her and we had a couple of practice calls and and it was great i loved working for her because she was like if you have anybody you don't enjoy talking to let me know you won't ever have to talk to them again Oh, that's amazing
1: actually to create like a safe space. So you actually created a persona. I did. Yes, That's that's (laughs) kind of neat. I like, I never knew, I never knew about that. I had a friend that did online um, like back before online was a thing and like, like, seriously it was like before 1994, like it was, I was in college and he he was doing this sort of like online sex uh, uh, chats, I guess, I Mm -hmm. guess they were chats. Um, and I think it was like playboy or or penthouse. It was like one of their forums. and hmm. um and it was, I mean, it was really wild, but I don't think he ever, you know, I mean, obviously he had a persona of being a woman, but I don't think that he actually like, you know, created a character and you know what I mean, like to mm-hmm. to sort of talk to to these people. Um, but that was. Yeah, that was definitely like, like one of the takeaways with with a lot of the men. And I assume that they're men you don't really have any way of knowing when you're, yeah. you know, when it's online. There was a real sense of loneliness there. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's really, yeah. And, yeah. and un- unable to, a lack of connection.
0: Yeah, which is why I feel like writing emotionally intelligent men is so important so that women maybe when they're reading it consider that there's another option out there instead of this cold detached male protagonist there's someone there that that actually is Mm self-aware and you know like the main uh lucky in my the book i just wrote is very much that way like he provides a safe space and he's just very open about where he's at because um the male i mean uh maddie she gets sexually assaulted in the beginning so um yeah yeah, which okay. we're gonna talk about that when I
1: get to the scene because I kind of really love the way that you handled um you handled that within the intimate scene. So I thought that, that was really that was really kind yeah. of amazing.
0: Yeah, I
1: definitely yeah. Now this book that you wrote is romantic suspense. Yes. And you were an undercover. You've had such a cool background for a writer. <laughs> like all of this makes sense. Um <laughs> undercover security agent. Okay, so like what, what, what was this? What did you
0: do? <laughs> so, um, I mean, it. okay. So <laughs> I went in with, my friend was working as a security guard and I went in and they had me fill out an application, right? So, okay. and then they said, here's your cuffs and your badge and you're going to meet this person and then you're going to go catch shoplifters. And I was like, okay. So I showed up. I had no training. I had no idea what was going on. And I like tried to arrest someone who had not actually stolen anything. What? Um, <laughs> so I had to like develop these rules. Um, these things that I had to see in order in order to make an arrest. So I basically trained myself, essentially. Um, and it was very much like Stephanie Plum in... Oh. Uh, <laughs> That was so accurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know. <laughs> so, That's kind of horrifying. <laughs> I know. I know. I've had knives pulled on me. I've been bitten, <gasps> like, all sorts of things. Like, it's been insane. Oh, my uh, God.
1: Do you still do that as your day job?
0: Oh, gosh, no. Oh, all right. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no. No, you know, what was hard was that I was, I was arresting people who were just trying to make it in the world. Yeah. Um, And it was just, it was really hard. I didn't feel like, one, that I was making a difference and two, that I was helping anybody. Right. So I ended up, I ended up leaving. Well, Um, I, I, I'm kind of like mind blown that like
1: you're in this position where you are given handcuffs and kind of not the fun kind. right? Right. And they're like, go out there and arrest people. But that's like, that's your training. They actually yeah, didn't well, train you what to like what 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 does it look like when somebody's shoplifting?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had someone there who was like, "Okay, go walk around." But I also have <laughs> I'm a black belt. I'm a black belt in Taekwondo, so um, I had some understanding of what was going to happen. Although Taekwondo is a self defense, it's not like a like a, an aggressive kind of thing, <laughs> so, like chasing someone down who's trying to get away from you like it doesn't really come into play. So
1: right. Yeah. But still, even just the act of like, who am I looking for? Like, what are what? Are, like, what is the tip off of somebody is that someone is shoplifting or about to shoplift? That how do I know I need to keep yeah. like, no wonder, no wonder people, no wonder, like, security guards are just not that good at their jobs.
0: I know. Right? <laughs> I know. It's so true. No. um. So for me, initially, I was typecasting essentially um and that i didn't get very many arrests but when i started paying attention to behavior
1: right
0: um i really developed a good instinct for catching shoplifters and i actually was one of the top performing um lps in the company and i was like one of three women out of like 20 or 40 like between 20 and 40 men um so it was like
1: Uh, so that's
0: so funny but it's a job that you
1: were so ambivalent about right
0: yeah but you know the the other thing too is that with like how i said earlier about managing other people's emotions and things like that that kind of empathy Mm. i think really helps in that job because you have an understanding of the person the people coming in like i could just tell from the way someone was behaving that something was going to go down (laughs) you know right right yeah Oh man!
1: So how did that sort of inform the romantic suspense that you're writing?
0: Well, definitely. I mean, like I've had to testify in court. I've had to write legal documents and things like that. I've talked to so many police officers, Um, so I have kind of an understanding of that. And and there's something addicting to the adrenaline. Um, Oh. So I feel like including that kind of high, fast-paced intensity, just sort of comes naturally. when I'm writing. Right. So,
1: okay. So to jump back for a quick second then. So this is a series that you're writing. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so is it, and it's all romantic suspense?
0: Yeah. So um, it's all based in this town called Cape Wrath. And it's mostly the characters from that area. Okay.
1: Okay, cool. And so book one is captivating. Are you done with book two? Are you working on book two? Where are you with
0: that? I'm about two thirds done with it, um, and then I've got to do a couple edits and send it out to my editor. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking June it'll be ready.
1: Oh, oh, that's soon actually. Mm-hmm. When you sort of think like think about it, that's really cool. So, um, so I know you said you wrote your first book and that you know, and you were like, nope, okay, put that away. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and now you've wrote, written your 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 actual first book, like the, the one that's actually out in the world. And what was that like for you releasing it?
0: Uh, Um, it was, it was nerve wracking. (laughs) Um, you know how it is. Like I'm, you've written your first book, right? Like figuring out how the industry works, what you need to do, how you're going to get it done. And, and I think your first book, you're kind of wrestling with a lot of demons, um, you know, like imposter syndrome and things like that. Your first book, your <laughs> second book, your fifth book, your tenth
1: <laughs> book. Yes, yeah. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, and I also have like a theory developing that your first book is actually the the main female character is a reflection of the author more so than any other character will probably be. Um, and so, putting yourself out there in that regard too is really nerve wracking. So.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that?
0: Um, You know, a couple of my author friends, I've read their books and I'm like, I see them. I see them reflected in that. And I also think sort of like you write what you know and you know yourself well, right? Like trying to think of developing a character um, and all the complexities of that personality can be really daunting. So if you write someone similar to someone you know or or yourself, it's easier.
1: Yeah, it's sort of interesting because I did start to kind of think about like where with my characters um and and I think that what I've done with them is I kind of have pulled little bits of myself from certain ages that Mm -hmm. sort of mirror the characters so like with my first rock star book like she is 18 19 like she's still like you know late teens Mm -hmm. right she's still a kid and sort of like what was I like back then you know and I was full of fire you know, and I was just like, you know, and I was just like wanted to like grab the world by the balls and like, you know, and that's who she is, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of looking at, you know, her then her slightly older sister who becomes a little bit more introverted and that's kind of where I went going into my twenties. Like, it's just sort of interesting to kind of look at the personality, like just the little bits of personality that uh, for me that I've kind of put into my characters and it also makes me go, wow, you've really lived a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so I think that there is some, like, there is definitely some truth there for sure. Um, and some insight into like me, the author.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, what's that quote that you understand the world as you are, not mm-hmm. as it is. Um, you know, that everything you understand and and feel and think is from your own perspective, right? So That's one you're going to know intimately.
1: Right. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to be like, so tell me about your character.
0: I know now that it's out there, you guys are going to be like, oh, this is Charlie. Because <laughs> it's rude.
1: So tell me, what is your character? No. Uh, but I wonder, I do wonder because, I, you know, I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit kind of in the green room, the um, mm-hmm. virtual green room. Um, and, and the idea that like when you're doing these things, these this creative thing, whether it's writing a book or like, you know, podcasting or, you know, even just showing up on TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Um, <laughs> you're there, you're kind of opening yourself up to criticism
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's hard, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was going to school as a counselor, I had to get very honest, clear feedback about what my sessions with clients were and how I was affecting them. And that was, that was like an ego hit, <laughs> you know, like drag yourself through the mud kind of a thing. Cause you have to really look deep. And understand what's going on and so um it's kind of the same like the feedback that you get from people is um obviously filtered through them um mm-hmm. and their perception of things but also they're seeing things that you can't see in yourself right because i'm living in my own little world so um trying to figure out how to incorporate the feedback um, without taking it personally <laughs> it's really hard you know yeah yeah
1: it there there does need to be a level of detachment that on the one hand I kind of feel like I've been pretty good at hanging on to like I think that at this point now I can take the the valuable criticism like mm-hmm. where somebody says well I kind of felt this way about the character and then I'll go oh, okay fair point I'll keep an eye out for that you know that I don't do that in the next book right mm-hmm. um But then you get the most recent one. I would have loved this book except for all the profanity. I'm like, oh my God, you're reading rock star romance. What do you think you're going (laughs) to (laughs) get? But that's not useful. (laughs) And that said more about her than it did about me. (laughs) (laughs) Or my book or my characters.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've read it several, like so many reviews, right? And the people like when people don't like a book, it's because they feel like the character was behaving stupidly, you know? Right. It's right. like, well, that's not how you would act in that situation. But this isn't a separate individual that's been created, you know? Right. So,
1: Well, yeah. you know, so I, I kind of didn't want to talk about this until I got to like, the, the part in your book. I, <sighs> yes. So but, but I don't know, like, you know, I think maybe we're going to kind of, Skip around. We're going to skip around and go to that right now because because I think that this does bring up a really interesting um, point that I definitely wanted to talk about. So um, mm-hmm. so we are going to go to captivating for a moment and I'm just going to read, it's like the very beginning of your steamy scene that you sent me um, okay. because I thought that I, I just absolutely loved this and this is kind of going to be a part of what we're talking about. <clears throat> are we ready? <laughs> Okay. i think so <laughs> have you ever had anybody read your book to you no it might be a little i weird. can't even
0: i can't go back and read it either because every time i do i'm like oh my god i should have done that better
1: yeah, yeah. No, right it's so hard <laughs> it's so hard when i got my um my first book made into an audio book they're like okay now you have to listen to it and edit it i'm like no don't Can <laughs> i <me>. hire someone <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right
1: it's good though it's really wonderful but so just it's okay. Okay. Maddie slowly leaned down and gently grazed her lips over his. He kissed her back gently. Her stomach fluttered and her chest swelled. Her head was spinning. Her senses came alive. It was clear they both liked each other as a hardness developed between his legs pressing upwards. Maddie's body responded and she slowly ground her hips into his moaning lucky deep in the kiss and his fingers dug into her hips. Maddie froze. Arousal and terror were at war inside her. Terror won out. She was transported to the forest yet again. An animal-like grunt, fingers digging into her hips. The tip of an erection pressed at her opening. The bulge between them was no longer exciting. Maddie began hyperventilating, her body preparing to run. Lucky stopped at once. He moved so she was sitting on her own again. He silently grasped both both her hands in his. Breathe. Come back to me, Maddie. His deep baritone slowly penetrated the terror once more and just after i read that i was like i probably should have said content warning but i will be sure to put that on the description of this episode um you have a character that's dealing with sexual assault my last book um i had a character who was a sexual assault survivor and about to like she basically pressed charges and this person, this, the man that assaulted her is about to go on trial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like really struck because I'll tell you what, that was a hard book to write.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know? Especially if, as, I mean, I've experienced sexual assault. That's why it was so easy for me to write. Mm-hmm. But also for the, the rest of the day and probably a couple of days after writing certain scenes, I had to take um, a big break and sort of take care of myself yeah
1: yeah I mean I think that it's um, it's something that's hard to avoid uh, in our in our culture um, for sure I, I also think that there you know I felt just such a big responsibility Um I mean I hate to say to get it right and I think this is kind of the problem with that sort of I had a big responsibility to get it right because people respond to trauma in very different ways Mm -hmm. so I know that like you know the scene that I was writing where it's the first scene where they're going to get intimate and it's her first time after the assault and you know my editor got to that point and she was like well, I don't understand why would she why why is this happening why would why did she why did she freeze and why is his reaction this and I was like really seriously yeah what I don't think I,
0: I don't think I'm writing those scenes for those for in, those individuals I'm writing them for the people who have lived it right uh, you know right. I, I there's this this sort of trope where um, in books where there's sexual assault that's happened is that the woman is healed through the sex with, with the male partner. And, and what I really wanted for Maddie was that she resolved it on her own yes. before the sex happened. Right. Um, and the rest of the scene is her basically taking back her sexuality, mm-hmm. um, you know? So, yeah, there, there's definitely going to be people that don't understand it. Um, and, you know, there was, I was watching a documentary about a girl in utah who got kidnapped and she was talking about how um nobody everybody was telling her what she should have done and what they would have done and she was like you didn't live it you don't understand it yeah
1: yeah the monday morning quarterbacks right well if if that were me (laughs) i would have done this thing and it's like no really you probably would have been cowering in the corner like the rest of us like really like you know like like you don't know how, and you, you really have no idea how you're
0: going to respond to trauma until you are in the trauma, right? And completely dependent on your past and the way that you've been told how to deal with trauma. Right. But I, I think when, after I was assaulted, I um, convinced myself that I had not been raped. Um, and so mm, I, yeah. but, but my body was still behaving as though I, I was still having like PTSD. Yeah. Um, and so I voraciously took everything I could find about rape, like all the romance novels, all the books, like trying to decide on is this what my experience was? Is this accurately what's what's happening? Um, Do you feel that that was I mean, who's to say?
1: Do you feel like that helped you?
0: Um, yeah, well, yeah. I do. Um, Because afterwards, when I got uh, therapy, and and I processed through everything, I realized I was seeing myself mirrored in that. And that actually helped me to work through the trauma. Because I was like, No, actually, that's why I was relating to this material. And so like, when I was writing this scene, I was thinking about a girl who is trying to understand it, reading it, and I wanted to like, I don't know, give them guidance without being like, without lecturing them, you know, just saying like, this is what it can look like and this is what happens in your mind while it's going on, you know, and afterwards. So, yeah. Yeah, and
1: I also think the importance of having the partner that is going to be there and give whatever aftercare or care in general that might be necessary to sort of say, it's okay. You know, and give and and also give the person the space to feel the things. Right. And to process process through it itself, because that was the other thing that my editor didn't understand. Like, well, why? Why is why is Baz rejecting her? And I'm like, Baz is not rejecting her. He's letting her take the time she needs. Mm-hmm. like he's giving her he's like he's giving that to her instead of like crawling up her ass and being like what's wrong what's wrong, what's wrong? What's wrong?
0: You know? right yeah I mean that's <laughs> what you do when you love someone right you yeah. you look at what they need and you respond accordingly like it, it, you can't tell someone how to process what's going on like and you don't have to understand you don't have to have been through what they've been through in order to give them that space right you just have to be attuned
1: Mm-hmm. right? They just have to be attuned to like, just be attuned and like, listen, yeah. you yeah. know? I, I mean, yeah, it was that, that was probably for me, I think the most frustrating part was to actually have to, because there, there was the, the, the self-doubt creeping in, like, am I, like, it was like, well, I know I'm not wrong here, you know, like, I know <laughs> that this is like how a character is going to respond to this, mm-hmm. this particular situation. And You know, but sort of being told that, no, that's not it was really hard. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to say, actually, no, to trust myself and say, actually,
0: no, that is it. That's what I was going to say. Your gut was probably telling you, no, this is right. Like, I can't make it work in my mind that it's not right.
1: yeah yeah yeah. and to have somebody outside being like that's not and so and you know and then of course like yeah the the okay my not only is that moment right but am I handling this right for you know for people that are reading this and it's like been I know like with the reviews that have come in like a huge relief that that people are sort of like readers are
0: saying this was really well handled because it is Mm -hmm. so
1: hard it is such a hard thing to write about
0: it is, but it's so important because I mean, the, there's so many women who've been through this, who try to understand and rebuild their sexuality and a lot of them do it through romance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so yeah. having a space for them
1: is, I think, important. So important. I, I took um, I, I took a sex and intimacy coach training uh, yep. course through Somatica Institute in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. that was really sort of very fascinating to look at, you know, uh, f- look at fantasy and how so much of our uh, so much of sex is actually about healing trauma mm-hmm. and and how it can actually be a really safe space to kind of, you know play through whatever trauma, like work through whatever trauma you have through sex play, which that, I think is so that... important
0: yeah that realization when i was doing phone sex was so important because based on what the fantasy is you understand what the shame they're trying to work through is yes and the more um the 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 more rigid the fantasy is the less work they've done on what's going on and so what i would do is when when a a caller would tell me what they were into i would automatically know what it is what their need was um on a deep level and we would start exploring that and then i would broaden it and and they started to realize like what is the need they're meeting like what is the shame what was the memory and so in a way way, you were doing therapy i was you were doing therapy (laughs) I well, unless what made me decide to go to school. <laughs> like i you weren't
1: were doing, you weren't doing sex work. You were doing therapy. I <laughs> think,
0: I think they're, I think they're the one and the same. I, I, I don't I know. agree with that. But you could say they're different. So. <laughs> but, no,
1: yeah. I think I know. I actually know quite a number of sex workers, and every and and all of them are actually doing some form of therapy for sure in the in the work yes. that they're doing. Mm-hmm which is kind of amazing, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I, I kind of assumed that you had already gone through school at that point.
0: No, no, this Holy was prior.
1: Sheer. Wow. Yeah. You you really did have just kind of like an affinity towards that.
0: <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. And I think it comes through in my writing a lot too. Like I, I kind of feel like I'm counseling my writers in a way or my readers in a way.
1: Oh, I think so, that's probably important. Right. And that I think also is the mark of a really great book is that you do kind of like work out some of that. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, you want your character to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do kind of have to do the therapy with them.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious because I have the feeling that like I know the answer to this question, and, but I'm very curious what it would be. When you had to sit down and write your okay, so was, let me let me back up for a second. Was there a sex scene in your very first book, the one we threw away?
0: Um, yes. what was it like writing that? Um, it, it was really rough because I wanted to um, I wanted to be really good at it, and so I was in my head a lot about it, like mm. thinking through the scene, okay, and I, and I think also I didn't I didn't take it there. You know what I mean? Like I held back a lot because I was, I didn't want to offend anybody if they were to read this story. um, And, and so I, I yeah, I, I just, I feel like that book was just horrible. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay, right. <laughs> so- no, we can't. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: but then with this, with okay so then when you move to this book that we can talk about and yeah. and you're doing the sex scene like did, did something change there or were you still slightly like eh, i don't know about writing this cuz i honestly thought you were going to say it was no problem
0: <laughs> no you know i was reading the ice barbarian series oh and i haven't read and that and i yet. was like <laughs> it's so- it's so good (laughs) i know it's it's got a very feminist theme to it actually um but i she was just going for it and i was thinking about when i was doing phone sex like the part of saying yes is saying the things that could go very wrong you know what i mean (laughs) so and and just following your instincts and so this this scene was a lot easier to write when i did that okay okay
1: um Cause I was kind of curious cause I honestly thought you were going to be like, yeah, no problem.
0: And I was going to be like, I'm jealous, but no. Oh no, it's always a struggle because sex is intimate, right? Yeah. Like how do you put that on a page? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I totally, I totally still like, like I'm now at this point and my work in progress right now where they're going to have sex. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I guess tomorrow I'm writing it. And then I'll like figure out like a couple thousand words more so I don't have to get to it. And then I'm like, okay, tomorrow you got to write it.
0: And like I keep kind of putting it <off. laughs> It's like a thing. Because
1: it's hard yeah. and I
0: know it's going to slow me down, you know? I kind of, when I'm writing, I just naturally go into the sex scene, like it just feels like the right time. Yeah. um And then I go back later and edit it, you know, profusely. Um, but it's just like, um, I don't know. Sex scenes are definitely challenging, but but I think that if you put yourself in the moment and you're writing the story you want, like it just comes more easily. I, I don't know how to describe it. Right. I mean, for,
1: for you, just sort of process wise, do you sort of, because this is kind of like what I do is like is I kind of write the choreography out first. Mm and then go back in and layer things into it. Do you, is that how you work it? Or are you sort of doing it all at once, right?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it all at once because when I write, it's a movie in my head um, okay. already playing out and I'm just writing what I'm seeing. Okay. Um, and so that's that's kind of what happens. Like I, I'm thinking about like the first time I had, you know, actual sex and I was just like, how nervous you are. And, you know, you just like the feelings and the thoughts it just seems to come pretty it flows okay you know okay so yeah
1: yeah because for me I sort of I I just replay that movie over and over as I sort of work through okay first we're gonna get because you know you don't want to have seven hands you only need (laughs) everybody only has two I mean I guess you could have seven depending on how many people are involved in the scene but (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah you like I don't want him his left hand to be on her shoulder and also on her hip at the same time yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's kind of like practical considerations but then at the same time yeah. I also feel like sometimes like to go back and layer like okay so now we've got the choreography down now what would they be feeling like what would this person mm-hmm. be feeling in this instance that um, that would cause them to move this way right Yeah you know, um, and then obviously things will change. It's just, for me, it's sort of like a lot of layering and rewriting.
0: Yeah. I definitely hear like a very methodical way in which you approach it. And it's fascinating to me to hear like different process, people's different processes.
1: Yeah. Like I love the ones that can just like, you can just like go in and be like, just writing it. And I'm like, God, I'd love to
0: do that. Because it's, because I'm just writing what I'm seeing. Like it's just a movie, you know, right. like, it's sort of the same concept of like when we were talking about non-binary characters, like when, when in your head, they're a female, but they identify as non-binary gets in the way. So when you're, when you're picturing this, the scene in your head, the hands are where they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't get as mixed up and confusing. Okay. I can
1: see that. I can totally see that. Very, very cool.
0: Um, I
1: meant to read this a little bit at the end, um, like, well, before we sort of like got off track about going back to um, how Maddie sort of freezes in that instance because she mm-hmm. sort of like, the, you know, having, moving towards this intimate relationship with Lucky, she has this reaction from being assaulted and they stop. And then there was this bit of uh, moment here um, that I just want to read. Eventually her her flight reflex calmed down. The adrenaline left her limbs and the tension started to build between them again. Relaxation shifted to urging. Pulling back, she gazed at him. He didn't move. His pupils were dilated. His manhood was hard and his jaw muscles rippled from his restraint. He was utterly still staring at her. He made no moves towards her, question on his face. Emboldened, Maddie shyly asked, can we try this again? Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> so my question was how did you know that it was time for them to kind of give it a go it was time for her to kind of she was she felt ready like on the one hand like, you want to give the readers what they want which is usually the intimate scenes but then I was kind of like wondering you know this moment like how does it weigh on the character how does it you know like I just was kind of curious how you how you were like okay no she can do this she's okay mm-hmm. she can do this
0: because my character
1: actually had to go away like it was like they weren't doing it
0: right there is this when you have a cathartic emotional release there's this like um energy Mm -hmm. that that gets that can be redirected into sexuality right like and, and and this is something I've experienced in the kink world like um with my partner it's just like there's sometimes when you've when even when we've talked about the sexual assault all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh I have to have sex (laughs) you know what I mean because okay I see I see you feel there's an intimacy that is developed with someone who supports you well it's through an emotional response and and you just want to feel closer like you just want to feel that intimacy and before that he was holding her yeah like giving her that space and so it just naturally converted into sexual energy
1: Oh, I feel like I know I had a missed opportunity in my book, but it's okay. <laughs> no. I'm like, oh,
0: I think also she was it, there was about to be, you know, the the she was about to get kidnapped, um, and so I had to get it going. I, like, I had to have that level of intimacy too.
1: Quick, we got to get it on before she gets kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. There's a practicality yeah. to this, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was timing in my outline, but it was also timing for me on an emotional level. <laughs> so you
1: you do work from an outline?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that just comes from college writing. Yeah. Okay, all
1: right. Yeah, no, but, I'm a yeah. I'm
0: a total pantser.
1: Even through grad school, I pantsed my papers. Really?
0: Yeah. No wonder I didn't do.
1: No wonder I didn't have a. I didn't really have a great academic career.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I totally was- pants my papers. <laughs> i had to develop an outline because they wanted an abstract and that's essentially what your abstract is is an outline so i had to like consider what am i going to write what am i going to cover and how am i going to conclude it so i already had an outline that i just operated from oh interesting yeah
1: no we didn't do abstracts we were were Um, like yeah no we were like lit crit people you know so it was kind of like yeah, you know, we were just sort of like, you know, moaning about Mr. Darcy or whatever the hell it was so we were talking about. <laughs> As one it. of oh my me. professors said that my first it was my very first class of graduate school. He was like, Well, you know, we just shovel shit from one side of the room to the other. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and you know what? He was absolutely right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it almost speaks to like the incestuous nature of academia and that everybody references everybody. And yes. it's like hard to find that original thought you know
1: yes 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 because like I swear all of my papers were like citations of somebody else's work
0: yes yeah Yeah, I mean (laughs) you're basically just summarizing other people and putting it together to kind of have a new sort of way of looking at it you know yes yeah
1: yeah weird academia is weird I know and then I don't know how those people could like like okay I don't know if this if this when I, well, you, again, you were in a, a, like, it sounds like a slightly more practical program with psychology, um, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. But I, when I was, um, when I was in grad school, uh, Foucault was sort of like the reigning champ of everybody. And so, every, you know, you'd sort of be reading all his, oh God, what now? I can't even remember the name of his books, but like, you know, the, the one where it was like about prison and talking about that. And I was like, well, if we're all supposed to be borrowing from each other, like, how can you even have like an original work like Foucault, which was wholly original? And it was just like him, blah, 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 his, you know, his theory. um Because that seemed to be not allowed.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, and I think what happens is then people go out and they do research. I mean, I, I like not in the literary world, but well, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, like psychology informs everything, and and people's understanding of humanity comes from that. And so, mm-hmm. there's like there's studies, and you know, like longitudinal studies, and like um, you know, there's there's research where I forget what it's called. Actually, it's on the where instead of just doing an experiment, you actually record what is going on for a person like in an anthropological sense. Right. Um, and so like you get that new information and you could write something new, I think. And it's the sort of, it's the same thing in academia. Mm-hmm. Like someone will, will research something and you'll, it'll sort of change the theory on it and then you can take it and extrapolate from it. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't
1: know that he actually did do that Foucault actually it didn't like I think he just like sort of had this idea and was like I think this and he wrote a book like I don't know I don't know that he went to like prisons and like studied like what was going on
0: oh no no I didn't imagine that he did <laughs> you no know, I I and it, maybe it also is writing the things that are not um socially acceptable you know oh, like right like pushing the envelope and talking about things that are human nature but everybody denies it's not like you know the whole Facebook culture of putting on this persona you know those people are living a life and have things going on that they're just not talking about right right um okay anyway I want to keep reading okay this is gonna be
1: a long bit so you know settle in <laughs> how are you doing with all this too by the way okay <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm doing you read it and I'm like
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> the very first oh my god this was ages ago this was when I was writing urban fantasy and I went on this podcast and she was like okay so now you have to read for 20 minutes I was like excuse me and she was like oh yeah you need to read your book for 20 minutes it was like the first <laughs> chapter or something like that I was like are you fucking kidding me i wanted to die so i'm over (laughs) there reading my book i was you know and like oh i don't want to read my book that's terrifying so when i was coming up with this concept i was like and then i could have them read and i was like oh no 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 no
0: no." i really appreciate that i thought i was gonna have to read it
1: i was like no 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 i will do the reading they can squirm they can sit there and squirm they can zone out whatever but i will not
0: make them read their own work that would be terrible (laughs) It is nice to hear it though with like the little sexy, you know, sex bomb thing that you do with your voice. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's not too bad.
1: I do a sex bomb thing with my voice. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It's you know you'd probably be good with phone sex.
1: (laughs) Is there good money there? (laughs) Well
0: Yeah. I made a dollar a minute. Like I was doing pretty good.
1: Whoa. And that was I'm assuming not like yesterday. So like it probably went up. Although phone yeah. sex still a thing. I feel like with like um, only fans and stuff, like probably not.
0: Yeah. You know, I would talk to clients or potential clients and they'd be like, why would I come to you for this when I can get anybody to do it for free? And I was like, well, because I'm a professional and I'm not going to judge you and it's going to be all about you. But yeah, phone sex has definitely fallen off yeah. in terms of what people want. There is a quality to not seeing the person that is more intimate well, they so. can be
1: anything that they want to be right in their in your yeah in, in your head like you can build the fantasy whatever well that and it's be. directly
0: into your ear you yeah, know yeah the phone. yeah i mean there yeah. is
1: something really intimate with voice and they always say that with podcasting like it's one of the most mm-hmm. intimate forms of like communication like if you're listening to to me on a regular basis you actually really feel like you know me and i think more so than if you see me on tv or like video mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really kind of cool. There is something about just voice that is super intimate.
0: Yeah, maybe it it forces uh, listening, like Mm. really listening, hearing each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. That could be it. Okay, anyway, I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. (laughs) She licked her lips, and they parted ever so slightly. She leaned in and kissed him again gently. Her tongue flicked out just a little. They rolled so Lucky's back was pressed against the headboard, and Maddie straddled his narrow hips once more. She felt his body shaking under her. She intensified the kiss. He responded in kind, and the tension grew. He wrapped his muscled arm around her back and pressed her whole body to his. His spicy cologne filled her senses. His warmth, his strength. He growled again. He stilled and pulled back. Confusion. Why was he stopping? Did he not want this? Maddie felt her face redden. His eyes were shut. He held her in his. He held her in his arms length and took some steadying breaths. He was trying to calm down. She felt his heartbeat slow, and he nodded. He buried his face in her bosom, his arms tightened, and her knee threw her head back in passion. She reacted as if it were a dance, and she led instinctively. He followed her lead, responding, panting. His hand reached up to caress her. Maddie stilled his hand, threaded her fingers in his, and pinned them against the headboard on either side of his head. She leaned forward, showing him her increased desire with a more intense kiss. Letting go and leaning back, she crossed her arms at her hips and pulled the t-shirt off. She might have gotten distracted by the chill, but he was there again, bringing the heat. He lifted her supple breast from her bra and suckled on her hardened nipple ever so gently. Maddie reared forward into his mouth and moaned. To her shock, a light orgasm ran through her body in a wave. She was rocking back and forth on his lap hands grasping his hair when she relaxed he chuckled and moved to kiss her passionately she melted into it and felt his hands sliding down her body his calluses were rough and his hands radiated heat his fingers slid under her waistband and found her swollen bud she moaned again he explored her delicate yet sensitive anatomy he watched her body react and learned the details of her desire <laughs> shiver <Shivalrous. laughs> i loved this and i loved actually that you showed that you don't need penetration to orgasm and i don't think we see enough of this
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's um you know the the new research about what the clitoris looks like um is coming out you know like it was not in medical journals for a long time but um, Because why would it be? Yes, right. It's not. It's not just the little clitoral head that you see. Like it's huge. Mm-hmm. Like a whole, it's a whole system. I, it's a whole nerve system. Yeah. 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 And and it is. It can be difficult for a lot of people to um, orgasm from penetration. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So.
1: And there are just actually so so many different ways to climax, too, just in terms mm-hmm. of what like, you know, like some people that say are paralyzed and don't have sensation below the waist, right? You can, mm-hmm. there are actually other ways to bring people to orgasm, yeah. um, you know, and I don't want to s- sort of like get too much into this because I really don't remember like the science behind it from what we learned in my classes, but there is, but there is a way to turn other parts of your body into erogenous zones um, mm-hmm. that I think is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's yeah. so cool to sort of like actually bring our characters um, to, to this point without actually having any penetrations.
0: Well, and if you think about it too, after you have an orgasm is when you um, get wet, right? Um, and so How it would be difficult to get wet during penetration before you've had an orgasm. So orgasming before would make sex much more pleasurable when it came to penetration, Mm, just from an anatomy standpoint. But also going back to your point, like the brain is like the biggest sex orgasm or organ, right? Like (laughs) it's just like you can you can have you can become aroused just from thoughts without touch. You know, right, right, right. You can. I think. Can't you
1: bring yourself to orgasm just thinking about certain things? Like, like you can actually climax, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not yeah. you. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like you in the grand, you. <laughs> can you imagine? I'm like. So tell me about your non-penetrative <laughs> orgasms, please. Like, well, if you think. Of- <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you think about it, in the kink world, there's a lot of people that focus on certain things and there is a whole subgenre of people that are just very much into orgasming without touch. You know? like, I think that's so cool.
1: Yeah. I think that's so cool that you can orgasm without touch. That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. that's absolutely it takes of practice it's not easy <laughs> but, sure it's you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes orgasm with touch can be hard so uh, so yeah i can yeah. imagine it's very difficult but i love i love the idea of that
0: yeah
1: that's definitely. tantra right i always confuse what tantra is that is tantric sex yeah. right
0: it could you know uh, when you're talking about using other body body parts as a neurogenous zone that is also tantra so that is, like of is that is
1: yeah Okay. All right. I can never remember what it is exactly. So that's why I was like, wait, I think that's okay. Okay, last yeah. little bit and I'll put you in. <laughs> then we can stop. <laughs> now you don't have to listen anymore. Reaching a hand downwards, she grasped at his hardness. Her head fell back in pleasure at the sound of his moan, and her hips continued grinding into his. Slowly, she she took him out and held the rock-hard tip at the ready. Her expression was intense as she engulfed him. She felt every solid curve of his erection inside her. She felt so powerful as she focused only on her desire. The selfish act was honest." loved that. Her enthusiasm was like white light as her eyes radiated power and intensity. Her wet pressure enfolding him made him moan desperately. He started moving and her body responded. The eye contact was intense and her genuine pleading eyes only fueled his passion he watched as she peeked and she pulsed intensely he wrapped his arms around her waist and held her to him in a vice grip his release was fast and hard his arms were shaking as the pulsing sent maddie over the edge again i love that i absolutely love the selfish act was honest that i just i was like okay that's brilliant that's just genius yeah.
0: Uh, that's the the thing when you have sex with another person you're essentially objectifying them and focusing on your own pleasures. so you know and then you have to like you switch back to focusing on them and yes seeing what's going on so yeah sex is in and of itself a it kind of selfish act
1: you know but we're never told that
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and i think that and i we're think told the male
0: pleasure yeah. definitely
1: yeah i think that it's sort of like we're never told that it's okay to be selfish and bad and that's kind of like what the whole thing is yeah you know so so just you know just just ride the
0: wave (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
1: because there hasn't been enough giggling in this podcast so we're just
0: The, oh definitely God. when I when I was a phone sex operator, I giggled all the time, so I incorporated it into my personality, like my character, because that was just how I responded to everything.
1: That's see, that's the thing. Like I'm like I would totally giggle. Like I would totally giggle through it. But I guess if you yeah. make it part of your character, then that works, right?
0: Yeah, she was kind of young and and submissive, you know. So it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Amazing. Amazing. So I didn't ask you because we kind of did this kind of like reverse. Um, I'm mm-hmm. curious about the intimate scene. Why did you pick this
0: particular one? Um, well, honestly, it was the only one in the book. But um,
1: oh, <laughs> like, you only have one intimate scene in the, in the whole book?
0: I do. Um, oh, wow. You know, I know. I'm, I was kind of surprised. Uh, there was just a lot to cover um, mm. when they got back together. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. Um, and so I just, I just did the one there's, there's, um, she masturbates earlier in the book. So there's, there's some stuff like that, but, um, yeah, that was the only one.
1: Oh, okay. So at what point does this come in the book?
0: This is, um, almost exactly at the halfway mark. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so it's, so it's kind of slow burning. It sounds like then. Yeah. A slow burn there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, my editor and I talked about it a little bit too and she was just sort of like, um, the first write through didn't focus enough on on working through the trauma exactly. Okay. So I, I ended up spending a lot more time um I guess in a more cerebral place about it. Hmm. Um and so yeah, it definitely did not center a lot of, of sex. But the second book I'm writing has a lot of sex. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love how you're at these extremes <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, these characters demand it, you know what I mean? Like
1: <laughs> So is this a this isn't a continuation of their story now? You've got new characters that are gonna be in the next book, right?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, it's actually two characters that you meet in the first book. Um, but the big underlying theme is the organized crime. So um, that's sort of what connects them, that and Kate Brath
1: cool awesome and so the second book where you're targeting sort of like a june release
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah okay, cool and what's the title of that one um you
0: have revealing. revealing yep
1: oh, I, love I love it cool so where can people find you online where's where do you like to hang out most
0: um i hang out on instagram a lot because um, it's really how i connected with authors a lot i tried facebook it just didn't seem like the right group of folks but um and then um and then I have my website I'm on Goodreads a lot um reviewing books (laughs) so okay you are on Goodreads okay I try not
1: to go on Goodreads but
0: (gasps) (laughs) oh no (laughs) I know (laughs) can I ask why
1: you know, it's just, it. I find it a little overwhelming and kind of terrifying. And some mm. of the reviews are mean. Oh, I know. I know. And, and I'm not even just talking about, like, my reviews. Like, like sometimes there's, like, snark. Perso- so, okay. I don't want to call out Felicia Day, but I'm going to call out Felicia Day. <laughs> I love, love as an act, like, actor, performer. Co- like, I just love her. And... Then, and I was writing an urban fantasy and she was kind of like really big in that sort of sci-fi world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so she started getting really active on Goodreads and she started getting really mean about like authors and books that she didn't like. And like, oh, I man. felt like unbelievable. And I was just like, uh-uh. and I like that really turned me off. And, yeah. and I was kind of upset because like I said, like I was a total fangirl over Felicia Day. Um, yeah. She's so great in the Guild. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, doing a project like the Guild, I felt like she might be a little bit more sympathetic to other creators.
0: Yeah. You know, because
1: that was kind of an indie, like the Guild was an indie project. It was like total bootstrapped, like right am I remembering it correctly it was yeah right? no yeah
0: yeah definitely low production kind of stuff yeah um, and
1: so you kind of feel like she like Felicia came up from that kind of world and 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 lived in that world and explored and had fun in that world so I kind of felt like she, my, ex, my expectation was she would be a bit more generous or at least not just downright like and, and what, and, and, because she, she was really snarky like that, it then gave her fans the permission to sort of jump on that bandwagon and start beating up on whatever the book or author was. And that's when I saw that I just kind of like walked away and I was like, I don't need that in my life.
0: You know, when I see stuff like that, I, I feel like the people who are being snarky that, that it's about them that there's some ego involved in centering themselves in the review instead of focusing on the book. Um, and, and that's the reason why I don't ever put out bad reviews. I only review the books I liked. If I yes. didn't like it, I won't review it. Yeah, I'm the same so, way. Um, if I don't because like it, I, I won't it. Yeah, because it, it. I don't know. Like, I want people who, who want to find that book, like, I want to help point them there with my reviews. Right. Like, you know, right. and if I liked it, then it's easy to write about. But I definitely, I don't think I could write anything bad about someone else's writing. Yeah. I just because right I don't know you, like I said you're putting yourself out there you know what I mean and the more you write the better you get at it so why would you discourage someone
1: exactly and I guess you know I mean I should I shouldn't even say like I only like review books that I like because then people are like but you read my book and you didn't review it because I'm actually really bad at keeping up with <laughs> stuff like that you know? <laughs> well, you read my yeah, book, you know do And you know and I don't want to be like, oh shit. it doesn't mean I didn't like your book, I swear. It's just like it's just really hard for like I have a hard time keeping up. And I also have like this weird imposter syndrome where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, who am I to say? Like who am I to write this book? Who am I to write a review? I'm like, you know, I mean, that's sort of like yeah. also where I go. I'm like, who am I to do this thing?
0: Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. And and at the same time you're the audience and you have an inside view of what it's like to be an author. But I I think if if I were to like have a, someone ask me to read their book and I didn't like it, I would tell them face to face instead of writing a review about it.
1: Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's why that's why I'm like I I am I'm, I'm very sort of like mm-hmm, about good <laughs> I'm always, I'm always like, "Oh god, what kind of like put my hands over my eyes and peek through the fingers. Yeah. <laughs> to go on there. I think
0: I did it mostly because Amazon owns Goodreads. Um and so I, what I'm hoping to do is increase my book sales. So you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah,
1: I do. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, all the kids are on TikTok.
0: I know. I just I am I don't know. Yeah I know that's a that's a difficult space. I love watching authors like Tess Bailey It's hilarious on there um but yeah yeah. I want
1: to know how they do it like I'm always like how do you do like I mean I know how you do it but like I'm always like I'm in awe of people that can go on there and just be goofy and funny and I think that that's so cool
0: yeah I think yeah it's there's a level of authenticity I think that's involved and some performance right you know and I'm just I don't know. Guess I'm not confident enough for it.
1: I think that's what it is cuz I'm definitely like if you met me in real life you'd be like okay goofball. Like I'm definitely <laughs> like not you know, I mean, but the, so I'm like I should thrive on TikTok. However, I do think that there is a level of self-consciousness for me, like being like, oh, house, you I have to go on there and video. And oh my God, and my house is always a mess. And you're going to see the big, like all the dust and the dishes and the laundry that needs to be put away. Like, you know what
0: I mean? I know. But you know what, when you're watching on TikTok and someone's like, forgive me, I'm not wearing makeup. It's like, whatever, come on, tell me your content. Like, you know what I mean? You don't really care. I never oh. wear makeup
1: on TikTok because I have filters. <gasps> <laughs> Filters yeah. that make it look like you're wearing makeup. It's great. I know. <laughs> that's the only thing I like about TikTok. I'm like, they do filters that do that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> A lot less work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm going to have um links to all of the online uh internet places in the show notes so okay. people can click on those very easily. They don't have to scramble for pens. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for doing this.
0: It was really great to meet you. Yeah, it was so great talking and I think we kind of went all over the place, but and but it was definitely <laughs> yeah, It it was great. It's fun to talk about, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, let's hook up again when the next book comes out. Okay, we'll do. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing our conversation as much as I loved having it. If so, please head on over to your favorite podcast app and rate and review. It helps with discoverability, just like leaving reviews for books. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode like the next one with contemporary romance author Jenny Barra. Until next time, keep it steamy.